excited about this week and uh, the passage that we are, are covering. We are going through the book of Acts. If you are visiting this morning, uh, we're looking this week at chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. So if you have a Bible and want to turn there, you can do that. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the stoning of, of Stephen. Um, persecution against the church uh, has quickly risen up to become murder. So they're not just persecuting the church um, in small ways, but in in terrible ways. Stephen uh, became the first martyr known of the church. Last week, uh, Pastor Greg filled in for me. He is one of our elders. Um, I appreciate our elders who step in and do that. But as, as Greg led us uh, through chapter 8, what we saw um, was this increasing persecution is pushing the church outward. Most of the activity of the church had been in Jerusalem and maybe a little bit spilling out into Judea, um, but this persecution uh, is pushing the church outward. Uh, God is using the persecution, right? God works all things together for good for those who love him. That's the promise. And, and he is working this persecution together for good as well. God's sending the church out from Jerusalem to Judea, um, and as we saw last week, to Samaria. Area. Philip, uh, one of the seven Hellenistic men chosen to help the apostles, um, was one of the main characters as Greg uh, took us through that passage last week. And we'll see again that Philip is one of the, the main characters this week as the gospel advances. So, a pretty good bit to cover. Really excited about this section. Will you pray with me before we jump in? Pray for the people around you. Pray that the Spirit would be really, really good to us today to teach us, um, to encourage us, to convict us where, where we need that. Let's pray together, okay? Father, um, thank you. Thank you for this people. Thank you for the time that we've already had together this morning. Thank you for um, the songs and the music, the beautiful words and, and truth to those songs. Uh, Father, as we, as we come to look at your word we pray that your spirit would be great this morning. Uh, Lord, there are, are many of us who need con conviction um, in areas of our lives where we are not walking with you as we should. Conviction of sin and righteousness, maybe even conviction of the truth of the gospel. And so we pray, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would be good to bring that today. We also pray that you would be good to um, encourage us Encourage us in our, in our walk. Encourage us in the gospel. Uh, we pray today that we would see just how amazing and, and beautiful, um, God, that you are. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we, as we were just singing. We love you. Um, be good. Be good to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I, I want to just uh, start out this morning, first of all, just by sort of walking through the story. So we're going to read uh, the verses, uh, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, and um, I'll stop along the way and talk just a little bit about what we're seeing, but we'll start with the story. So 
I want to back up to where Greg left off last week in verse 25. Um, I want to start there with the work of Philip and the others as they are in Samaria. Verse 25 says, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, This is a desert place. So Philip and the others, persecution has driven them out of um, their comfort and what what had been safe in Jerusalem, and and God is using this persecution uh, to press them out of Jerusalem, and they've been in uh, Samaria. So they've gone through Judea, and they are in Samaria. They've been there for some time, and now they are headed back toward Jerusalem. Um, Along the way, they are continuing as they head back to Jerusalem. They are continuing to proclaim the good news of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection to all of these villages as they pass through, Um, telling the Samaritans that Jesus is the promised one of Scripture, calling them to believe the good news of the gospel, to repent um, and to receive the forgiveness that is theirs in in him, to be restored to a right relationship with the Father, right? So they are... They are preaching the gospel, calling people to follow Jesus as they have gone into Samaria and are now coming back to Jerusalem. Samaria is north of Jerusalem. I probably should have done a map just for people who are visual, but Samaria is is north of Jerusalem. So they are headed back south toward Jerusalem. And the angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, head south on the road that goes to Gaza, um, the road that runs through the desert. Now, this, this is a well-known road, would have been a well-known route to all of them, but especially Philip would have known uh, this road. And, and so the, the angel of the Lord comes to Philip. He says, rise up and go there. So what does Philip do? Verse 27, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? So Philip, the angel of the Lord comes, speaks to Philip. Philip hears. Philip responds in obedience um, and, and goes where the Lord has told him to go. He sees an Ethiopian chariot, um, and this Ethiopian is returning from Jerusalem, and he's reading a scroll, and it's the scripture of, from Isaiah. The Holy Spirit tells Philip, go join his chariot. So again, what does Philip do? Holy Spirit speaks to him. He runs to the chariot in obedience. Now, it seems at this point that the chariot is moving. It isn't stopped and parked. It is is moving. So Philip is running alongside the chariot, and he's hearing the man read, um, and he yells up as he's running next to the chariot, hey, do you understand what you're reading in there? Verse 31, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. 
In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Divine appointment, right? I mean, that's what this is. This is divine appointment. He's reading this passage. Of all the passages, he's reading this passage from Isaiah that is ultimately about the promised one. This passage ultimately points to Jesus, about who Jesus is and what had happened to Jesus. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So this is really, really awesome. Awesome, awesome here that we we see Philip doing this, um, but it's also awesome for us just the timing of this passage. I really love when God does this sort of thing, and, and he does it often. Um, like we could never plan sometimes the timing of things. L- let me explain what I'm talking about, why just us coming here. Every, every year we have a men's cohort and a women's cohort, and they are leadership cohorts. The women's, I think, is eight months long. The men's, nine months long. And it's a study of theology, um, particularly theology just as it applies to our life, Um, And our life is shaped by the things that we believe um, and also about how those things shape our leadership. So last week, the women were on their retreat. They take a, a retreat. The men will take their retreat this coming week. But but the women talked last week about biblical theology. The men will talk this coming weekend about biblical theology. Philip was using biblical theology to gospel the Ethiopian. And so that's why for me, this is real, like our theology matters. This is, this is what Philip was doing. Philip was using um, the, the, the big story of the Bible, starting here with just the words that he was reading from Isaiah, beginning with this passage and then talking about all of Old Testament Scripture. He is, he is explaining uh, uh, all about the promised one. He's explaining from the Old Testament, but beginning with Genesis, right? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Uh, Philip is walking this, this Ethiopian through all of that and pointing him to Jesus as the fulfillment of Scripture, the fulfillment of the, uh, of the very passage that he was reading and all of the passages that point to the coming of the Messiah, the promised one. The promised one had come. It was Jesus. He lived the life that we can't live. He died the death that we deserved. And that's what Isaiah was prophesying about. Jesus dying the death that we deserve. He was raised on the third day, defeating death and sin and Satan. This is the good news. And, and when, we, when we believe in him, place our faith and trust in him, our sins are forgiven. His righteousness is given to us. This is the good news. This is the good news that he was sharing with the Ethiopian. And so he would call the Ethiopian at some point to repent of his sins and repent of not not believing and, and to trust in this good news. So incredible here that, that he's, he's unpacking the Old Testament to share the good news of the gospel. Verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And I love this. At some point, as Philip is talking with him, Philip must have told him about about baptism. 
and about being baptized as a believer, being baptized into Christ, being baptized into the family of Christ. And so the Ethiopian says, Philip, look, there's water right here. Here is water. Let's stop here. What is to keep me from being baptized right now? Incredible. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. All of this is amazing, but how amazing is it that when, when they come up out of the water, Philip just disappears? Um, I mean, that's crazy, right? Philip just disappears. He is carried off by the Spirit of God. And, and, and from there, Philip heads to Caesarea. And, and, and as he went, we read that he proclaimed the gospel in every town. Um, beautiful, beautiful thing. Church history tells us that, that Philip settled there. Um, maybe he was already from there. Maybe um, he was just going home, but we'll see him again there in Acts chapter 21. Um, so I love this story. I, I, this is such an incredible story uh, to me. Um, just all of it. Like, like, can you see Philip running beside the chariot as the chariot is, I'm a visual person, so seeing Philip running beside this chariot of a, of a stranger, this dignitary, and, and yelling up into the chariot, hey, do you know what it is you're reading in there? Um, talk about awkward evangelism, right? So I want to dig a little bit more deeply into this, um, and I want to do that by talking about about each of the characters in the story, right? Just, just to go through and, and talk about some of the things that we can see from each of the characters in this story. Now, I call them characters in this a story. It is a story, but it's not a, it's not a make-believe story. It's not a made-up story. These aren't characters that someone created. The Someone that created them is God. This is a true story. So I just want to make sure we're together on that. These are real people, and this really happened. So let's see what we can learn about them and learn from these characters as well. And let's start with the main character of the story. Who do you think the main character of the story is? It's God. Yeah, yeah. Not, not Philip. God is the main character. Sometimes our temptation when we read the Bible is to look at the people of the Bible um, and think that the people are the, the, the heroes or the heroines of the Bible. But, but like all of the stories of the Bible, the real hero here is God. It's God working to redeem and restore broken, fallen sinners. God going about the mission that began in the garden after sin came into the world and, and, and Adam and Eve experienced the fall. It's God reconciling humanity to himself in Jesus. It, it, it was God, as we talk about God, it was, it was God who would have sent the angel of the Lord to Philip. It was God who sent the angel of the Lord to Philip with the message that sent Philip then um, onto the desert road. It was God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, who told Philip to go to the chariot and talk to the Ethiopian. Now, we, we, we know as well from um, the, the Holy Spirit uh, study that we did before we started Acts, um, as we studied the Holy Spirit, we know as well that it is God, the Holy Spirit, who convicts of sin. 
It's God, the Holy Spirit, who convicts of sin and convicts of righteousness. So it was the work of the Spirit in the Ethiopian that led him to conviction and faith. It was the work of the Spirit that led him even to desire to be baptized. Here's another beautiful, beautiful thing that I think that we see here of our great and amazing God. God knows the needs of the seeker. And he meets those needs by sending a messenger. I want to say that again. God knows the needs of the seeker and he meets those needs by sending a messenger. God is responding to the searching Ethiopian eunuch. Now, here's why this is important. I I have heard people say as they question faith, as they question the gospel, as they question God, I've heard people say how unfair and separated from God. People who have never heard of Jesus would die in their sin separated from God as if God is somehow unjust or unfair. Maybe if any, if if you've thought of it, you've maybe had that same thought. Like this just doesn't seem to be fair. So the beautiful thing that we see here is is the the incredible lengths that God will go through to save those who seek Him. Do you see that? I mean, God is God. God knows the seeker, and He knows the timing, and and He is working. And, and what does He do? We'll see it again in, in in this story, the story of Acts. God God goes through these great links to save sinners, moving in the lives of people to go to those seekers with the good news of the gospel, the good news that they need. And that's what God was doing with this Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And we see here of our God, like he is good and gracious to do that, to save sinners, to provide what seekers need. We see here as well that God is transcendent, right? And that word transcendent means that, that God is other. God is far above us. And, and, and we see that because God obviously knows the, the places and the people and the timing right? The timing for Philip to get there as he sends Philip. He knows Philip. He knows the Ethiopian eunuch. God knows everything that is going on there because God is all-knowing. He is transcendent. It's God who, who speaks to Philip to move him. And so while we see the transcendence of God as, as being sovereign and knowing the events and knowing the timing, we also see that our God is a God of nearness, his eminence. He is near to us. Speaking to Philip. He's near to Philip. He is near to the Ethiopian eunuch as well. Our God is not a God who is a, a distant clockmaker who, who made the world and created things and then just steps back and watches it all unfold. Our God is amazing and great. He is sovereign and transcendent, but He is imminent and near. He is with His people. He's with his people and he is active and engaged. It is God who is seeking the seeker. And he is kind and he is loving. And he is just and he is merciful. And he is full of grace. And I think we get a glimpse of all of that in this passage. So, our main character, God. We're also introduced in these verses to a new character, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. 
Um, there's really not a whole, whole lot that we know uh, about this Ethiopian. Uh, Ethiopia is in Africa. The Ethiopia that they are referring to is not exactly in the same place where we would say Ethiopia is today, but it was in Africa. The, the, the Ethiopian eunuch was a, a court official overseeing the finances of Candace, uh, the queen of the Ethiopians. He is riding in a chariot. We just read that. He's riding in a chariot. Um, this was maybe something more along the lines of a covered wagon. Uh, it, it is something that only the wealthy and powerful had or would do. Now, in Ethiopia, he was a man who was held in high regard because of his place, um, because of his position. He was a man held in high regard. He was a man of prominence, um, holding that, that very important place. He had, he had status, and he was in a position of power. Now, we don't know if he was a, a physical eunuch or if Luke is using uh, the word eunuch here as it was sometimes used in the Greek Old Testament to simply mean a high-ranking official. But we do know that he was not a Hebrew. He was not a Hebrew by birth, but we're told that he was in Jerusalem for worship, which indicates that he was likely a proselyte. A proselyte was somebody who was not born Hebrew, but who had come to believe in the God of the Hebrews and follow him. So he had been, he, was, he had been in Jerusalem worshiping. He was a seeker. He was seeking God, and he was seeking to know more about God. He was seeking to know more about the God of the very scriptures that he was reading. And that's why he's reading and reading from Isaiah. That's why he has these questions. And when I, when I talk about seeker, he was, a, he was a true, genuine seeker. He was open. He was open and asking for help in, in understanding, open to hear from Philip as he read the Scriptures. And as he heard from Philip, the gospel of Jesus explained, beginning in Isaiah, he believed. He believed the good news of the gospel. He believed who Jesus was. He believed what Jesus had done. He believed that Jesus was the promised one of the Old Testament scripture. He believed that God had provided all that he needed for redemption and restoration through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He was a believer, and as a new believer, he desired to be obedient. Obedient. That, that's why he said, hey, there's water. What is to stop me from being baptized now? He had, he had heard of baptism as, as he was being taught. And so desiring to follow through on his faith, he says to Philip, look, here it is. Let's stop and do this baptism here and now. The last thing we see of the Ethiopian is his rejoicing. He went on his way back to Ethiopia, continuing his journey home, rejoicing. Church history tells us that this Ethiopian went back to his people proclaiming the good news of Jesus and traveling through their towns and villages as well, sharing the good news of the gospel, a witness to who Jesus was and what he had done. Listen to me, pressing the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what he was doing. So our next character, right? We've got God, we've got the Ethiopian, we have Philip, Philip the Evangelist. Um, Philip the Evangelist, he was a Hellenist, as I've already mentioned, a Jew who had adopted some of the culture of the Greeks as well as uh, their language. Um, he may have been one of the Pentecost believers. Uh, he was a faithful follower. 
We, we read in chapter 6 as, as he became what we commonly say as a deacon. He was a man uh, with a good and godly reputation. He was a man full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. He was a man who knew the Holy Spirit, heard the voice. He was a man who knew the Holy Spirit of God. And we know this because he heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and, and reacted full of faith. He obeyed the Spirit. The Spirit said, go. He went. The Spirit said, speak to that man. He ran and spoke to that man. He was a man who, who heard his commission and believed that he was, with all other believers, a missionary. All right? Let me say that again. He saw himself as a missionary, a part of God's big story now. And we've said all through the book of Acts, right, that, that, that all believers, when we become believers, we become missionaries. We all join God on his mission. Whether you believe it or not, whether, you, whether that's your thinking or not, doesn't matter. Bible says it, God says it, it's just this is what it is. So if you're a believer here today, you are a missionary. We are all missionaries. Some of us are just pretty bad missionaries. He believed that he was a missionary. He believed that the mission he was called to was much bigger than just hanging out with his new friends in Jerusalem. He was, he was, he was a faithful, faith-filled believer in Jesus. And what we see in, in what little bit we see of him is that his life was changed by the gospel. His life was completely changed by the gospel. One more character. This character isn't really mentioned here by name, but this character is, I think, very clearly seen, and that's the church. We, we get a glimpse of the church. And when I say um, the church here, I, I'm talking about Christians as the church, true believers. I'm, I'm talking about the kingdom of God present here and now in, in the church, those who love and follow Jesus. The kingdom of God present here and now in this world. Now, I, I want you to listen to me here. Oftentimes, people of color... Um, have a pushback against, it, it, it has been growing through the years, but, but, but oftentimes there is a push against Christianity because it is described as the white man's religion. Now, I, I will also be honest and say sometimes we have treated it like it is the white man's religion. Sadly, there is, is some fairness in this pushback because of the many ways that white people have used the Bible as a weapon against people of color. Taking passages out of context, ignoring other passages in order to justify slavery, colonization, Jim Crow laws, all of it. Taking the lands of Native Americans, using the Bible as, as grounds to take lands from Native Americans, to take children from their families and put them into homes to be Christianized. This, this, is, this is our, our sorrowful, should be sorrowful, history. There are reasons there are reasons that Christianity is called the white man's religion, sadly. But I want you to hear me today. And I want you to hear me from this passage today. Christianity is not the white man's religion. 
Christianity is not the white man's religion. Before Christianity ever reached white people, it was running its course through brown people. Brown people like Jesus was brown. The Hebrews in in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And when Christianity tells us of the first push towards the ends of the earth, the gospel going to the ends of the earth, we see this morning that happens first through a black man in Africa. This is a beautiful part of church history. Christianity isn't isn't a, a, a white man's religion. Christianity isn't a black man's religion. Christianity isn't a brown man's religion. It's not a a human religion or or, or the religion of any particular color. It is the work of God to to redeem for himself a people, to redeem for himself a people, his people. It's the story of our God redeeming for himself a people from every tribe and every color and every nation. Even in the Old Testament, right, there, there are a lot of people who, 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 who make much of the Jewish people, much more than they should, because you were special and awesome. He reminds them again and again that they have not earned their place or their good standing with them. He reminds them that he has rescued them, rescued them from their, from their death and from their filth, just like he has all other people that he's rescued. He's rescued them in their patience with grace and kindness. And it's not because they are good or special. It is because he is good and because he is special. And that holds true. That holds true for the Samaritans and the Ethiopians and the Greeks and the Romans and the Anglos and the furthest reaches of the Asian people. I love the beautiful picture from the book of Revelation that we have in chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 9. John had this vision, and he writes about it. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. This is the church. This is the church. This is the kingdom of God. Multitudes of people, too great to number. No one could number them. People of of all colors, of all mixes of colors. People from all nations and tribes and languages. And we are all gathered together as one people, God's people. And we're praising and we're singing and, and we're saying together in worship, praise be to God, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb for ever. One one people from all peoples. And I cannot wait for that day. Like this genuinely excites me. And and this these verses that 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 we read today in in Acts, this is the start of that. 
Do you see that? Like, this is how we get there. This, this is the start of that picture, Philip faithfully, obediently responding to the Holy Spirit, heading to that desert road. Philip running alongside the, the, the chariot of that, that wealthy, powerful African man that he did not know, doing so because the Holy Spirit said, go and talk to him. This is the beginning of, of all the nations and tongues and tribes, an Ethiopian hearing the good news of the gospel beginning in, in Isaiah's prophecy and responding, I believe, I believe. Philip, why not baptize me here? Going to the ends of, of the earth, just as Jesus said, every tribe and every tongue, every nation and every color. Praise God. This is such a huge story, so much bigger than Philip and the Ethiopian. This is, this is God's amazing and, and beautiful and unbelievable big story. And it's, it's, it's in this same story that we find our story. This story didn't end here. This, this story continued, and the, the story continues even today, and, and, and this is our story as well. Now, I, I want to go back through those characters and see what we can learn from them this morning. I, I think it is very likely this morning that we have with us a seeker like the Ethiopian. If that is you this morning, if you are here this morning and you're not a believer, but you are a seeker, I am so excited that you are here for this story. What an incredible story for you to hear. The story of, of, of God pursuing people, the story of God pursuing you. I, I don't think it's an accident. I think that God brought you here today just as he sent Philip. I think you are here today to hear the good news of the gospel, to hear God's story. Right? This, this familiar story, this human story, a story of, of failure and sin. Right, That's all of our story. That's my story. But that's not where the story ends, right? It's a story of this amazing God pursuing his people, moving mountains, moving mountains to rescue and redeem seekers just like you. It's the story of the Father sending the Son, Jesus. It's, it's the story of him living the life that no matter how hard you, you try, and if you're a genuine seeker, I, I know that you've tried. I know that you've tried to live that life, and you can't live it. That's why Jesus came. To live the life that you can't live. To die the death that you deserve because of your failure and sin just like mine. His is a story of, of, of triumph. Triumph over evil as Jesus rises on the third day. Defeating death and sin and Satan. It's the story of God forgiving. Forgiving lost and broken humanity through this work of Jesus, through, through our faith and trust in him, his great provision. We, we are credited with his life. His life becomes our life, right? As, as if we had lived a perfect, holy, and righteous life. This is the good news of the gospel. His death becomes our death as if the, the, the penalty of, of sin, our sin, the wages of sin is death. It's as if ours has been paid like we paid it. His death, our death. His resurrection, our resurrection, defeating death and sin and Satan, that victory becomes our victory in Jesus. 
And in him we are forgiven and we are free and we are made children of the Most High God. We become members of his great kingdom, sons and daughters of the king, and family with one another. Seeker, believe that good news today. Believe that good news today. Most of us, most of us have, have, have received this good news. We've heard it. We've received it. We've believed in the good news. We are thankful for Jesus. We've been washed clean. We, we, are, we are his. And the call for us is to be more like Philip, I think. To be more like Philip, to be a people of good reputation inside and outside of the church. A people changed, transformed by the gospel. To be a people filled with the Spirit and with wisdom, as Philip was. To be, each of us, people who know the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? To be a people who know the Holy Spirit. To have a relationship with the Spirit who, who hears His voice and who, by faith, respond to Him. As followers of Christ, we should be growing in these areas. We should be growing in our courage and our boldness, like Philip and his courage and his boldness to run up to this chariot, bold in sharing the gospel. His courage and boldness, is, it's not because we have all the answers or, or, or because we have this, this great presentation of the gospel or we've memorized 107 different passages of Scripture. We have boldness and courage because we know that our God is great. We have boldness and courage because we know that he is with us. And we know that the work that we do is not our own work, but his work. We know that this story is not our story. It's his story. I think that was Philip. And New City, let's, let's be the church. Let's be the church that we see getting its start here. A church without racial and socioeconomic boundaries. A church who, who sees the beautiful image of God in every tribe and color and nation and language. Not a, a white church or a black church or a brown church or any other color. But, 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 but let's strive, let's dream and strive of being his kingdom present with all of the beautiful colors. Finally, new city, the God of Philip and the Ethiopian is our God. Who is he? He is sovereign and powerful, so far above his creation, yet he is loving and kind and gracious. He is with us and his spirit is in us. He speaks to us just as he spoke to Philip. He convicts of sin and righteousness just like we see here in the Ethiopian and to all the Ethiopians who wonder and seek, he still sends Philips to share the good news of Jesus. This is his story. A beautiful story of redemption and restoration, of, of God making for himself a people from all peoples. And we, you and me and us together, we have been invited to, even called to play a part in this story. Let's do that. Do you hear me? Let's, let's do that. 
This is what we are called to. This is what our life is about. let's, Let's not play church. Let's not play church by showing up once a week or once a week plus our MC. Let's live this story. Let's live this story in the power of the Spirit for the glory of God and the good of His people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story. Thank you for being so gracious, so good. Thank you for giving us a new day. Thank you for giving us a new day to hear this story again, a story some of us have heard before and forgotten. Thank you for reminding us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us again and again and again of this beautiful story. And and more than just this story, that we would understand it as your story. The same story that we are called to. Remind us. Help us to to remember. Help us to believe and to find our our boldness and courage and uh, all that we need in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.